Ladies and gentlemen, I'm full of optimism. Einstein's theory of relativity. And we're still seeing it quite well through that haze. T minus 37 seconds. The fight is growing. E equals MC. That all men are created equal. About the future innovations. And growing strength in the air. Ignition sequence. This is Finding Your Frequency with your hosts, Jeff Spinard and Ryan Treasure. It's time to speak up, share your voice, and hear from the thought leaders. Hello, 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 and welcome to a special edition of Finding Your Frequency. I'm your guest host, Camille Nash, sitting in for Jeff Spinard and Ryan Treasure. You know, there are times in life when we hear someone speak and it just hits you like a ton of bricks. Millions of viewers and listeners around the world have been inspired by the voice you're going to hear, no matter what you face or have faced in life. The excerpt you're about to hear is from a college commencement that's echoing the sentiment around the world. Yes, everyone is looking for hope, and sometimes it can be found in your own backyard. The wisest person I ever met in my life, a third grade dropouts. Wisest and dropout in the same sentence is rather oxymoronic, like jumbo shrimp. Mm-hmm. Like fun run, ain't nothing fun about it. Like Microsoft works, y'all don't hear me. I used to say like country music, but I've lived in Texas so long, I, I love country music now. I, back, yeah, I hunt. I fish, I have cowboy boots and cowboy, y'all, I'm a black neck, redneck. Do you hear what I'm saying to you? No longer oxymoronic for me to say country music. And it's not oxymoronic for me to say third grade and dropout. That third grade dropout, the wisest person I ever met in my life who taught me to combine knowledge and wisdom to make an impact was my father. A simple cook, wisest man I ever met in my life. Just a simple cook. Left school in the third grade to help out on the family farm, but just because he left school doesn't mean his education stopped. Mark Twain once said, I've never allowed my schooling to get in the way of my education. My father taught himself how to read, taught himself how to write, decided in the midst of Jim Crowism, as America was breathing the last gasp of the Civil War, my father decided he was gonna stand and be a man. Not a black man, not a brown man, not a white man, but a man. He literally challenged himself to be the best that he could all the days of his life. I have four degrees. My brother is a judge. We're not the smartest ones in our family. It's a third grade dropout daddy. Uh, a third grade dropout daddy who was quoting Michelangelo, saying to us, boys, I won't have a problem if you aim high and miss, but I'm gonna have a real issue if you aim low and hit. A country mother quoting Henry Ford, saying if you think you can or if you think you can't, you're right. I learned that from a third grade drop. Simple lessons, lessons like these. Son, you'd rather be an hour early than a minute late. We never knew what time it was at my house because the clocks were always ahead. My mother said for nearly 30 years, my father left the house at 3.45 in the morning. One day she asked him, why daddy? He said, maybe one of my boys will catch me in the act of excellence. I wanna share two things with you. Aristotle said, you are what you repeatedly do. Therefore, excellence ought to be a habit, not an act. Don't ever forget that. I know you're tough, but always remember to be kind. 
always. Don't ever forget that. Never embarrass mama. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If mama ain't happy, ain't nobody happy. If daddy ain't happy, don't nobody care. But you know, I tell you. Next lesson. Lesson from a cook over there in the galley. Son, make sure your servant's towel is bigger than your ego. Ego is the anesthesia that deadens the pain of stupidity. Y'all might have a relative in mind you want to send that to. Let me say it again. Ego is the anesthesia that deadens the pain of stupidity. Pride is the burden of a foolish person. John Wooden coached basketball at UCLA for a living, but his calling was to impact people. And with all those national championships, guess what he was found doing in the middle of the week? Going into the cupboard, grabbing a broom, and sweeping his own gym floor. You want to make an impact? Find your broom. Every day of your life, you find your broom. You grow your influence that way. That way you're attracting people so that you can impact them. Final lesson. Son, if you're gonna do a job, do it right. I've always been told how average I can be. Always been criticized about being average. But I wanna tell you something. I stand here before you, before all of these people, not listening to those words, but telling myself every single day to shoot for the stars, to be the best that I can be. Good enough isn't good enough if it can be better, and better isn't good enough if it can be best. Let me close with a very personal story that I think will bring all this into focus. Wisdom will come to you in the unlikeliest of sources, a lot of times through failure. When you hit rock bottom, remember this. While you're struggling, rock bottom can also be a great foundation on which to build and on which to grow. I'm not worried that you'll be successful. I'm worried that you won't fail from time to time. Person that gets up off the canvas and keeps growing, that's the person that will continue to grow their influence. Back in the 70s, to help me make this point, let me introduce you to someone. I met the finest woman I'd ever met in my life. Mm-hmm. Back in my day, we'd have called her a brick house. This woman was the finest woman I'd ever seen in my life. There's just one little problem. Back then, ladies didn't like big old linemen. The blind side hadn't come out yet. <laughs> they, they like quarterbacks and running backs. We're at this dance, and I find out her name is Trina Williams from Lompoc, California. And, and we were all dancing, and we're, we're just, just excited. And I decide in the middle of dancing with her that I would ask her for her phone number. She, Trina was the first one. Trina was the only woman in college who gave me her real telephone number. <laughs> The next day, we walked to Baskin and Robbins ice cream parlor. My friends couldn't believe it. This has been 40 years ago, and my friends still can't believe it. We go on a second date, and a third date, and a fourth date. Mm-hmm. We drive from Chico to Vallejo so that she could meet my parents. My father meets her, my daddy, my hero, he meets her pulls me to the side and says, is she psycho? But anyway, <laughs> we go together for a year, two years, three years, four years. By now, Trina's a senior in college. I'm still a freshman, but I'm working some things out. <laughs> I'm so glad I graduated in four terms. Nixon, Ford, Carter, Reagan. 
So now it's, it's, it's time to propose. So I talked to her girlfriends and it's California, it's in the 70s, so it has to be outside. You have to have a candle and you have to have, you know, some chocolate. Listen, I'm from the hood. I had a bottle of Boone's Farm wine. That's what I had. She said yes. That was the key. I married the most beautiful woman I'd ever seen in my life. Y'all ever been to a wedding and even before the wedding starts, you hear this. How in the world? <laughs> and it was coming from my side of the family. <laughs> we get married, we have a few children. Our lives are great. One day, Trina finds a lump in her left breast. Breast cancer. Six years after that diagnosis, me and my two little boys walked up to mommy's casket. And for two years, my heart didn't beat. If it wasn't for my faith in God, I, I wouldn't be standing here today. If it wasn't for those two little boys, there'd have been no reason for which to go on. I was completely lost. That was rock bottom. You know what sustained me? The wisdom of a third grade dropout. The wisdom of a simple cook. We're at the casket. I'd never seen my dad cry. But this time I saw my dad cry. That was his daughter. Trina was his daughter, not his daughter-in-law. And I'm right behind my father about to see her for the last time on this earth. And my father shared three words with me that changed my life right there at the casket. It would be the last lesson he would ever teach me. He said, son, just stand. You keep standing. You keep standing, no matter how rough the sea, you keep standing. And I'm not talking about just water. You keep standing. No matter what, you don't give up. And as clearly as I'm talking to you today, these were some of her last words to me. She looked me in the eye and she said, it doesn't matter to me any longer how long I live. What matters to me most is how I live. I ask y'all one question. A question that I was asked all my life by a third grade dropout. How you living? How you living? Every day ask yourself that question, how you living? Here's, here's what a cook would suggest you to live this way. That you would not judge. That you would show up early. That you'd be kind. That you'd make sure that that servant's town is huge and used. That if you're going to do something, you do it the right way. That, that, that cook would tell you this, that it's never wrong to do the right thing. That how you do anything is how you do everything. And in that way, you will grow your influence to make an impact. In that way, you will honor all those who have gone before you, who have invested in you. Look in those unlikeliest places for wisdom. Enhance your life every day by seeking that wisdom and asking yourself every night, how am I living? May God richly bless y'all. Thank you for having me. Was that his name is Dr. Rick Rigsby? In 2017, Dr. Rick Rigsby delivered one of the most passionate speeches ever heard. More than 152 million people worldwide have viewed the speech in a video that went viral in just a matter of days. When audiences hear Rick Rigsby, they are never the same, and I'm never—I'm not the same already. Just only a few minutes this morning. Dr. Rick Rigsby is the president and CEO of Rick Rigsby Communications, 
The former award-winning journalist followed a television career with graduate school and two decades as a college professor, most of those years at Texas A&M University, where he also served as character coach and chaplain for the Aggies football team. Dr. Rick's dynamic presentations motivate, empower, and inspire worldwide from Africa and Asia to the Americas, Europe, and Canada. Rick's audiences include Fortune 500 companies, academic communities, and service organizations. The internationally acclaimed speaker is a favorite amongst professional sports organizations, including the National Football League and the PGA. Named twice, twice as an outstanding professor in the College of Liberal Arts at Texas A&M, Dr. Rick Rigsby has numerous publications. His first non-academic book, Lessons from a Third Grade Dropout, is a USA Today, Wall Street Journal, and Amazon bestseller. It is a privilege and a delight to introduce to some and present to others that in the form of Dr. Rick Rigsby. Wow, Camille. Thank you so Welcome. much. I am so honored to be here. Thank you so much for the invitation. Yes, that thank was quite you so an kindly. introduction. You know what's funny <laughs> is that uh, the only people that like long introductions are moms. Uh, right. <laughs> you are absolutely correct. And moms are entitled to love those introductions. My mother would have, my mother would say, Camille, keep going. <laughs> keep going, girl. Keep going. Keep going. Yeah, you know, sometimes we forget the things that we've done, but yeah. you have really made a footprint. Uh, amongst the world and truly to my heart I, I've listened to a number of things that you've done recently and what I want to first share with you is that Finding Your Frequency is a show that's really um, curtailed around the digital platform what's happening in the world digitally and what people are doing abroad in all aspects of life I like to refer to it as your purpose and what you've been designed to do in the world I love it so tell us how did yeah. you find your frequency it, thank you so much for this opportunity for I'm 61 years old no for four <laughs> I love you already <laughs> Camille, for 40 years of my life, I, I, I really want the viewers and listeners to hear this. I, it was all, my purpose was all about serving Rick. Mm. It was all about me. Really? Yeah, I was, uh, I was the golden boy. I was, I was so fortunate to grow up in a home where my mother and father set high expectations, where my brother and I believed that we could do absolutely anything, and we accomplished a great deal. I, I marry my college sweetheart. I, yes. I, I have a job as a general assignment television reporter the day before mm -hmm. I graduate from college. Uh, I, I finish a television career, go to six years of graduate school. I land a dream job as a college professor. I have a trophy wife. I have two incredible kids. And my life is great. One little problem. Mm. It is all about Rick. You can never impact anybody if it's nope. all about you. Nope. It, it took the worst season of my life to find my purpose. So can I tell you about it? Absolutely, because you had already been been serving in one capacity or working, right? Yeah, for oh, yeah. years or yeah. maybe a couple, maybe a decade or so. I was even a pastor. I was a preacher. I was a minister, really? and I was still serving myself. Yeah, ego <gasps> is the anesthesia that deadens the pain of stupidity. Let me say that mm. one more time. Ego is the anesthesia that deadens the pain of stupidity. Pride is the burden of a foolish person. Mm -hmm. And and I made life all about me, getting yeah. my needs met. What's in it for me? What can I get out of it? And and I masked that really well. I mean, I was a good 
father. I was a good yeah. husband. I was a, a good reporter. But to be honest with you, yes. I took my wife for granted. It was all about my needs being met. And, and, and so let me back up and tell you how I found my frequency. Okay. It starts back in the 70s when I met the finest woman I ever met in my <laughs> life, baby. All right. Mm-hmm. Come on with your come on. All right. See, that's a real response there, that's ladies and gentlemen. That's a real response. That's yeah. right. Trina was a nursing student from uh, Lompoc, California, down in Central California. And I, I fell in love with her instantly. Yes. And we dated all through college and uh, much, much to the consternation of many of the guys on campus who couldn't believe that Ricky Rigsby was dating this gorgeous woman. I couldn't even believe it. My parents <laughs> couldn't even believe it. My daddy looked at her and went, is she psycho? Oh, but anyway, gosh. I mean, it was just a fairy tale relationship. Yeah. We fall in love, we get married, we have a couple of children. Trina is a labor and delivery nurse. Mm-hmm. I started my television career in Chico, California, market size 139. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Boy, a lot of people claim to start at 139. Yeah. I actually did. You did, right. And I know what that means. Yes, Not a lot do. of people do, small but. market where you do whatever it takes. It takes yeah. Yes, yeah. ma'am. There's beauty in that though. Our life is yeah. great. I'm we're working, we're fulfilling uh, everything that we uh, are, are feel called to do. Uh, in addition to being a, uh, a television reporter, mm-hmm. I, I'd, I'd always, I came from a faith-based uh, family. I was a, a Christian man and I felt a call to yeah. preach the gospel. That's good. I, I'm, I'm preaching the gospel, but I'm acting like a fool. Say that again. I'm preaching the gospel, but I'm acting like hell. Good gosh. And so uh, I I learned early in television. I I love television. There's so many great lessons from television, but television reinforced that notion of image. And I learned how to perfect image to a T. As a matter of fact, I, I saw early on that you get more kudos from presenting an image that appeases the sensibilities of people than mm. actually having to be good. Having to be good mm. means you got to pay a deeper price. Yes, but yes. if you can put on an image and adorn it with nice clothes <laughs> and look fly, nobody's going to say anything and everybody's going to like you. Yeah. And so I perfected that. Television reinforced that. And I lived that way. I wasn't a bad person. Yeah, right. I just wasn't fulfilling my Purpose. Purpose. I hadn't found my frequency. frequency. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You're right with me. <laughs> so guess what happens? Yeah. We're sailing along, and all of a sudden, Trina, a nurse, finds a lump in her left breast. She's 35 years old. 35. Breast cancer. Mm. Six years after that diagnosis, me and my boys walked up to mommy's casket. And for two years, my heart didn't beat. I was mad at God. I'm his golden boy. How could bad things happen to good people? Right. I I had not had a bad day in 40 years. Not one. Ever. Not one? Not one. Like seriously. Never had a bad day in 40 years. That's impressive. And now all of a sudden, you're going to do this to me, God? And I mean, you talk about grieving. Those those in your audience listening and watching Mm -hmm. that Mm -hmm. have lost deeply, Uh, You have a friend in Rick. I I get it. You feel as though you've been amputated. 
Yes, yes. You feel as though your heart has been sliced in half. Uh, I cried myself to sleep for mm. for at least a year. I would look into the faces of two motherless boys, and I would think, Lord, are they going to be damaged all their lives? I'm I'm mad at when I see couples because that's been taken away yep. from me. I mm -hmm. resent when I see older couples, and all the while, people are giving me their perfectly prescribed statements that I can't stand, like, oh, I'm she's sorry. like she's in a better place. Oh. Well, theologically, I know that. Yeah. But you're not thinking theologically, you're not even thinking logically, and you want her there. Or, this is the one, Camille, that used to drive me crazy. Rick, I know just how you feel. My grandfather my grandfather died. Yeah, that's and the one. And you're thinking, this was my soulmate. This mm -hmm. is the mother of my children. Mm -hmm. So anyway, we're lost. I have no hope. I have no reason for which to hope. I'm angry at God. Yeah. Yeah. Now, you're probably not going to get this one, Camille. I'm even angry at Trina for abandoning us. Because she died. She died. She left you in yeah, your mind. she left us, that's right. Now, I'm, that's heavy. She, she was fighting, Yeah. but she left me and she left the boys. Mm. And so I am angry. What if I were to tell you that the worst days of my life turned out to be the best days of my life? Oh yeah, I've heard that, that sometimes the worst days can be the best days. That's where I found my frequency. Good goodness. That's where I found my frequency. I, that's, where I found, that's where I found my purpose in life. What I had to do was I had to come face to face with a man who had spent 40 mm -hmm. years making everything about himself. Okay. Now, all of a sudden, as you know, you have children. Mm -hmm. All of a sudden, you can't be daddy and mommy and make it all about you. You can't. Impossible. You can't do it. Mm -mm. And I was forced, cornered, challenged, angrily pushed into growing up as a man. Guess what I began to realize? I began to realize, now this is taking a couple of years for me yeah, to realize this, right. that my heart had to be broken mm -hmm. so that I would have a heart for the brokenhearted. Mm. That I began to realize that my whole purpose for being on this earth was to give hope to people and that I had missed it because I had made it all about myself. Everything that I had done in my life had prepared me for my destiny to reach my frequency. Uh, all those years in television taught me how to communicate mm -hmm. at every level. We are storytelling animals that love stories. It taught me how to communicate on every single level in every kind of environment. Six years of graduate school taught me how to focus and be tenacious. Mm. I developed a photographic memory. Yeah. 20 years of being That's a good. college professor taught me how to interact with people, taught me how to write, how to think deeply. Uh, years as a pastor gave me a compassionate heart mm -hmm. for people. You know, it's amazing. Even, and I want you to listen to this, folks. Even if you don't know your purpose, you're being prepared every single day. Every day. It's interesting you say that because I always say that you're always being prepared for yeah. what's already prepared for mm -hmm. you constantly. Um, today's show, everyone, is about the, uh, being afraid to hope. Yeah. Uh, and that's what we're talking about with Dr. Rick Rigsby today. You said something today. I didn't know that you were a former pastor. Yeah. Uh, so we Still have, am. Still am. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So you still are a pastor. Still are. <laughs> Isn't that something? Okay. So you said, it, and, and this will help a lot of people out there <coughs> there were some that's okay there were some challenges with your faith yeah oh yeah uh, so 
with challenges with your faith, how do you break past that? Yeah, great question. And who do you talk to mm. when you're a minister and you're mad at God? Yeah. You're a minister and you're, <laughs> you're mad. You're a pastor, yeah, you not got just some, a minister. you got some serious <laughs> issues. <laughs> Goodness. And, and a lot of us, a lot of them do. Oh, my do. gosh. Yeah. Guess what helped me a whole lot? Yeah. Jesus on the cross asking questions, asking questions like, why has thou forsaken me? Actually gave me uh, comfort. If he can ask a question, then I can ask a question. I found that during my time, God was never intimidated by me raising my voice at, at all. him. Mm-mm. He was never intimidated by me being angry at him. You know what I love? I love having <laughs> conversations with people that are not Christians. I love having conversations with my Buddhist friends, with my Muslim yeah. friends. I love I love learning from them and having good deep conversations because I think people who ask questions, people who question, people who challenge are people who grow. Mm-hmm. I was in a growing period that was forced upon me, and I'm going, God, how could you do this? How could you leave me? I've done, isn't it funny how we play spiritual scoreboard? I know, yes. I've gone to church. I've preached over here. I've done, I'm not out killing nobody. I'm, I'm not running around town. I'm, I'm one of your good ones. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And yeah. it has nothing. See, everything I just said has yeah. everything to do with Rick. That's right. Oh, yourself. Uh-huh, Camille. Uh-huh. Here's where I'm coming. Come, Here's where I'm right. coming. If you can get beyond the chains and the shackles of your own sense so. of self-importance, mm-hmm. you can change the world. Mm. You can change the world. There was always a goal in my life to help other people. But Rick was in the way, and Rick never saw it. There's a guy named J.C. Penney who was a pretty decent uh, retailer. Mm-hmm. He uh, said, yeah, we, the one we know. <laughs> he said on one occasion, um, give me a stock clerk with a goal, and I'll give you a person who makes history. Mm. Give me a person with no goal, and I'll give you a stock clerk. Powerful. I never saw my frequency because I stood in the way. And now here I am at rock bottom. Mm -hmm. And I am so angry at God. I am angry at Trina. I am resentful. I am mad. And to answer your question, how did I resolve it? I kept breathing. I kept shouting. Say that. Wait, stop right there and say that again. I kept breathing. Because that is a real challenge for many. Yes, it is. You know, I uh, forget about trying to make it through next week. Yeah. How about trying to make it through the next hour? Yeah, or the next yeah. minute. Or the next minute. Yeah. I remember a time mm-hmm. I was so messed up in grief that I went to Texas A&M University on a Tuesday. I taught on Tuesdays and Thursdays. Yeah. I had a class at 945. I got there at 9 o'clock. I had a class at 945 and a class at 11 and office hours in the afternoon. I sat at my desk at 9. About uh, 10 minutes later, uh, one of my colleagues came in and said, Rick, why don't, you, why don't you just go home? Yeah, yeah. I said, no, I have classes to teach. He said, it's, it's 10 after 5. The entire day had gone by, but I thought it was just 10 minutes. When you're grieving, mm. there's no sense of normalcy. Yeah. When you're grieving, nothing makes sense. Mm-hmm. When you're grieving, God is on a mountain someplace, and you're wondering, where are you? Mm-hmm. You know, there's an interesting scripture. I, I, I go I go through the rose, I go through the valley alone while there's still dew on the rose. Mm-hmm. I may have misquoted that, but the point is some things you have to go through all by yourself. All by yourself, yeah. And, and mm-hmm. so I started questioning my existence. I started questioning my faith. I started questioning God. I started questioning everything that I took for granted. And I came to this conclusion I'm not God. You're not. 
I'm not, I, there I'm, is one, but there, I'm not him. That's exactly right. <laughs> yes. And, and and can any and then and then I something happened. Mm. I asked myself after nine months of crying myself to sleep, can anything good come out of this? I started saying things like maybe. Maybe if, but I didn't realize I was taking baby steps toward hoping again. Those baby steps started leading to, I'm feeling a peace. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Where's this peace coming from? I'm hurting like crazy. This is all understanding. Yes. (laughs) What's amazing is this, Camille, and this is what I would tell your viewers. We're going to take a quick break. And your listeners to keep breathing. So say that again, and then we're going to take a quick break. Despite how you feel. Mm -hmm. Keep breathing. Keep fighting. What my father would say, Mm -hmm. keep standing. We're going to take a quick break. You're listening to Finding Your Frequency, and I am being joined by the Honorable Dr. Rick Rigsby. We'll be right back. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com Want an insider's pass to everything that goes on in Hollywood? Join Summer Helene every week for Behind the Scenes. Summer Helene is known as the Duchess of Hollywood because she knows the insiders, legends, and celebs and brings the stories, the gossip, and the backstage scoop. It's the real Hollywood, though. So this program is for adults only. Behind the Scenes can be heard live every Friday at 4 p.m. Pacific Time and 7 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Where can you learn about EasyWayPromotions.com's social media marketing, brand positioning, and more? Easy Talk Live. Where can you get tuned into celebrities in the business world? Easy Talk Live. Where can you learn about entrepreneurment? Easy Talk Live. Every week, host Eric E.Z. Zuli and his celebrity friends talk about global causes, offer tips and tricks that you can use right now on social media, and give you the chance to promote your projects on Easy Talk Live. Every Saturday at 1 p.m. Pacific Time, 4 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Have you become a member yet? Sign up now to become a member of Voice America. It's always free and easy. Plus, you get to take advantage of some great member benefits. Get unlimited access to millions of hours of on-demand content across all of our channels. Keep track of your favorite episodes, shows, and hosts in your own customizable library. Find out what shows you might be interested in based on your favorites. Plus, you get insider access with our newsletter. Membership gives you more. Sign up at voiceamerica.com and click register at the top right. News. Opinion. Your voice counts. Call toll-free 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. Voiceamerica.com. You're tuned into Finding Your Frequency with hosts Jeff Spinard and Ryan Treasure. Connect with the show. Call in to 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Welcome back to the show. You are listening to Finding Your Frequency. I'm your special guest host, Camille Nash, sitting in for Jeff Spinard and Ryan Treasure. 
Joining me today is Dr. Rick Rigsby. We're talking about being afraid to hope. Are you afraid to hope out there? Uh, if you're listening, we also want to invite you to like our Variety Voice America Variety fan page. You can find us on Facebook and also findingyourfrequency.net. You'll be able to watch us live. So Dr. Rick Rigsby, just before we took a break, he was beginning to talk about helping others find their frequency. That's right. You know, uh one of the things that I realized was once I got beyond my myself and started realizing what my purpose is, is that I, I wanted to start being an agent of hope and helping others hope. But I had to learn not to be afraid to hope. Yeah. I, I was afraid to hope because I, I didn't want to feel again. My wife had just passed away mm -hmm. months earlier. I didn't want to live again. I didn't want to trust in anybody again. Mm -hmm. uh, I, could, I couldn't trust God because God let me down. He didn't answer my prayers the way I wanted him to. Mm -hmm. Trina let me down. I didn't want to fall in love with you, Camille, because what would happen if I fell in love and you died? And so I-, I You didn't well, want to trust that. I don't want to trust that. Mm -mm. And so, no. so guess what I did? Instead of hoping, I medicated my pain. I medicated my pain in two ways. Uh, the first was feelings. Uh, my, my feelings determined and dictated exactly what my behavior wanted to be. And so if I didn't feel like getting up, I didn't. If I didn't feel like coming over to your house for dinner, I didn't. If I didn't feel like going to church, I didn't. If, if I felt like eating, I would, which was mm. my second food of choice. Uh, guess what? There's no social stigma associated with the drug of food. And so... Oh, let's talk about that. I don't have to worry about <laughs> drunk driving. I don't yep. have to worry about doing drugs. I don't have to worry about having sex. I, all, I, all I can do is I can control uh, my environment. And what I would do is food became my mistress. It became my lover. It became my best friend. You're not going to tell me how much I can eat. I can... I can gain tremendous comfort and satisfaction in eating food. Mm -hmm. As a matter of fact, I can pacify myself into passivity, which means neutral, yes. which means no forward progress, mm -hmm. by simply sitting and eating. So food became my crutch. Food became, I, food became my fix. Uh, I ballooned up to f over 400 pounds. Wait a minute. Did you say 400 pounds? Over 400. Over 400 Yeah, pounds. I've lost about 100. Okay. I still have about 80 to go. Okay. But I ballooned up to over 400 pounds. You're not going to tell me what to eat. So you were anesthetizing your pain yes. with food. Okay. Yes. And okay. I think that's what people <clears throat> tend to do. Mm, yeah. When I see people that are struggling, there's usually something that's deeper. The, there's some enemies of hope. The biggest enemy of hope was disappointment for yeah. me. Mm -hmm. I was so disappointed. But listen to this. It's in that disappointment where there's an opportunity. Yes, oh, of course. Oh, boy. Of course. <laughs> Ralph Waldo Emerson said an opportunity missed is an opportunity mm -hmm. lost. Mm -hmm. But his, his mentee was a man by the name of Thoreau. And here's one of my favorite quotes. If we will be quiet and ready enough, we shall find compensation in every disappointment. Yeah. What I was learning was, mm. what I was learning was to quiet my spirit and to say, okay, Trina's not coming back. I can't do anything about that. What can I do? It caused me to start thinking, what if? It caused me to start saying things like, maybe. It caused me to start dreaming again. Mm -hmm. It caused me to start thinking about a better outcome. I found myself slowly changing my thinking. 
Yeah. Now, now the listeners, uh, many people have heard you around the world. Over 149 million uh, viewers have viewed that famous speech of yours. Yeah. And right now, I love that you're talking about the pit that you were really in yeah. and how you had to actually maybe rediscover yourself to some degree and, and dig yourself out. I did. I really did. I First of all, you're so right, Camille. I had to, I had to discover who I was. Mm-hmm. I didn't even know who I was. Yeah. Do you know it's entirely possible to die without knowing who you are? Yes. Do you know that a lot of people died <laughs> a, a few years ago, they're just waiting for their funerals? Mm. I was one of those. I don't condemn them. Sometimes it takes the most difficult, horrific, oh, friends, I want you to listen to me. Yes. You may be in a pit right now wondering why. It's that very pit that can clarify your frequency. It is that very pit that can clarify Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. your purpose in life. I never realized that my purpose was to help people. It was to encourage people. It was to lift people up. I never realized that to be fully dressed means I have to put a smile on my face every day. I never realized that. I never realized the opportunities every single day. I had to be forced to be in a situation where I would be quiet so that I could see compensation in every disappointment. I started thinking about opportunities. It goes back to that speech. The wisest man I ever met in my life was my daddy, a third grade dropout. The last lesson he taught me was at Trina's casket. He said, son, just stand. Just stand. I want Mm -hmm. you to hold that for just one second. Just stand. Just stand. Yes. Hold that for one second. Hold it. The last words that my wife shared with me that I can remember two days before she died. She said, it doesn't matter to me any longer how long I live. What matters to me most is how I live. Now watch this. Just stand. How am I living? Just stand. Mm -hmm. How am I living? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I began to put those two things together, and I began to realize my daddy, a third-grade dropout, was saying, boy, don't quit. Don't quit, yeah. That there's something embedded in this difficult hour Mm -hmm that can be beneficial to you, to the boys, to this world, but you'll miss it if you quit. That there's an opportunity in the midst of this struggle somewhere. Mm -hmm. Then Camille, I started replaying Trina's last words to me. Mm. Now, think about this. Yeah, yeah, that's good. If you just hit the lotto, Mm -hmm. oh, come on, Big Daddy, (laughs) tell it. If you just just bought a new car, if you are if you are on top of the world, it is easy to say, yeah. it doesn't matter to me any longer how long I live. This woman was two days away from dying. Right. She was a nurse. She knew. She, knew. Mm-hmm. she realized the time of her departure had come. Mm-hmm. And she says these words, it doesn't matter to me any longer how long I live. What matters is how I live. I'm starting to think, months after Trina died, how... Now listen to me carefully. How, I live. Okay. How could she have hope in a hopeless situation? She knew she was getting right. she knew she, she was, knew she was getting ready to die. Okay. okay. So now, now, hmm. all now of a sudden, somewhere. Oh, oh come on, would you come on? <laughs> James Brown used to yes. say that. I have no idea what it means, but I love to say it. Yes. Think about that sentence. Come on, would you come on? <laughs> I can hear the the viewers and the listeners going, what? What in the world is going on? What is happening there? (laughs) Yes, come on with you, come on. That's real, though. So now now I'm starting, 
I'm at rock bottom still. Yes. I'm mm -hmm. still mad, still got issues, still disappointed. As a pastor. As and a you're pastor, a pastor. As a pastor. Yeah. But God is starting to show me something that man can't show me. Of course. How could this woman have hope in a hopeless situation? So I'm saying to myself, is it possible, God? Is it possible that my life will be better? Is it possible that my kids might not go through life damaged? Is it possible mm -hmm, mm -hmm. that I might feel again, that I might, is it possible? That small step was the beginning of a huge revelation. I kept that up day after day, week after week, getting month after month, mm -hmm. getting stronger, mm -hmm. to the point that I was able to say, I'm not happy with you, God, but it is well with my soul. It is well. Mm -hmm. I, I'm not, I'm not pleased with what happened, but I'm learning to trust you again because I'm seeing a picture that is bigger than Rick Rigsby. I'm seeing that you really want to use me to go tell the hurting people of the world it is possible to live again mm -hmm. because a dying wife showed me something. She showed me that it is never hopeless. That never she hopeless. Yep. was filled with hope in the middle of a hopeless situation. It caused me to start coming up with a new definition of hope. Because this is really interesting, Camille. All my life, I mean, I can quote scripture. Yeah, I you know, know because you know it. It's already in there. It's already right. in you. I know that <clears throat> Jesus is the hope of the world. Yeah. But I've also casually used the word hope like we all do. Mm -hmm. I hope I get a parking spot. I hope that the movie is still out when I get a chance to go see it. I hope that they have shrimp risotto tonight. And so, <laughs> I'm a little hungry this morning. That's a good dish. <laughs> Come, a on. Good dish. Come on, girl. <laughs> and so... Let me ask you a question. Is it possible? I mean, you are a wordsmith, former journalist, still in media. We, we use words. Is it possible that we have used hope in such a casual way that we've relegated it to the basement of human emotion? Absolutely. I, in fact, I was going to ask you, how do you define it? Yeah. Because now you've really raised the bar on yes. it. Let's really examine you're it. Examine it. You're absolutely right. So I started thinking. I mean, my thinking is fairly young on this. I've only been thinking about this for about 20 years. <laughs> I'm but, thinking Hebrews, <laughs> but I can be totally <laughs> off base. I don't know. And so I, I began thinking about how I use the word hope. How, how hope, if, if Jesus is the hope of the world, yeah. and I'm hoping that Starbucks is on the next block, there's a disconnect. Totally disconnect. There's a disconnect. Yeah. And I started thinking, now hope is good, and the way that we use hope is good, but it's so casual, it has diluted the power from the word hope. And so I started thinking about what does hope really mean? Mm -hmm. Yep. I began to realize that hope is far more than wish fulfillment, that hope is far more than a fleeting notion, that hope has to have some kind of transformative power. Even if even if you're not a person of faith, I want you to listen to this for a second. Yeah, there is yeah. a powerful scripture that says, uh, "Faith is the substance of things hoped hope for." for. So the presupposition is this: you can't have faith unless you have hope. hope. That the root of anything that you expect is hope. That at the very base of anything is hope. Let me break it down. Third grade dropout, daddy, son, yes, daddy, <laughs> yeah. Never lose hope. Never, never lose, hope. lose hope. My whole life. Yeah. Never just stand. It doesn't matter 
how long I live. What matters is how I live. Third grade dropout dad, a dying wife, telling me, never lose hope. So, is hope in my BMW? Is hope in my Toyota Camry? Is hope in my Pinto? I hope not. <laughs> is hope in my bank account? Is hope in my Better looks? Better not be. Is, is, is hope in my stocks and bonds? Is hope in my president? Is hope in my governor? Is, is hope in my secretary? Is, is hope in my boss? Is hope in those things? No. Hope is in every one of us. Yeah. How, how do you know that, Rick? Because I watched a dying wife have hope in a hopeless situation. It caused me, now can I just speed this up? It caused me to Go define hope this way. This has taken several years and really clarified over this last year. I define hope as a quality within every human spirit that places a transformative demand upon the heart to believe for the absolute best outcome. There is a quality in every one of us. Mm -hmm. Every one of us wants to hope. When we're little children, we do. Yeah. when we're yep. little children, mm -hmm. we're hopeful. We walk through the puddle. No, for, no, no fear. No fear. Mm -mm. We, we're expecting the best outcome. We're not worried about the fact that our socks will get wet. Yeah. There is a quality inside of us that places a transformative demand upon the heart mm. to believe for the best outcome. Here was my problem. For 40 years, I believed for my outcome, not the best outcome. Yes. Guess what the best outcome for my life has always been? To give people hope. Not to make Rick rich, but to give people hope. Hope. And you've really been giving people hope uh, for decades. <coughs> You're a pastor serving in different capacities in business and uh, you know, ministerially. You. You're good. Thank you. Uh, you've been doing that yeah. already. So when we talk about where you are now, a lot of the lessons that your dad has taught you and um, you know, what you're doing now, what you're, what you're, this, this new, new project that you have. Uh, one of the things I wanted to ask you, because you were talking about helping other people find their frequency, sure. something I heard you say uh, about a servant's towel. Yes. Tell the audience about the servant's towel. Oh, thank towel. you for asking that. Yeah. So one of the lessons I learned from a third grade dropout was, uh, son, if, if you really want to minimize that ego, mm -hmm. make sure your servant's towel is, is larger than the ego. Yeah. And uh, my father insisted that my brother and I be servants. I can't walk into a bathroom today and see a paper towel on the floor without picking up the paper towel. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That, that when you serve, my father's theory was when you are a servant, it pushes yes. you beyond the realm of you. Yeah, yeah. So for 40 years of my life, I was not a servant. I wanted to be served. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I wanted you to serve me. You wanted to be important. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Now here I am a pastor and I want to be served. <laughs> Ain't that I know. a trip? Isn't that something? Ain't that something? <laughs> Tell us a little bit about uh, the Afraid, Afraid to Hope. Uh, this is your new project that I actually have the advanced copy, everybody. Yes. I've got the advanced come copy. Come on with you, come on. Autographed and I'm very excited about it. Uh, but I know that it's going to be available coming up soon and I want you to tell the audience a little bit about that thank and you. then I have a few more questions for you sure uh, thank you for asking afraid to hope will be released on Amazon beginning January the 16th just next week just next week. so excited so here's afraid to hope in in a 30-second capsule all during those couple of years after Trina died I didn't want to hope 
I was afraid to hope. I was scared to hope. I started discovering in my travels all through the years that most people want to hope. They're just afraid. Yeah. They don't want to feel. Mm. It's a lot easier to stay in neutral than to move forward. Yeah. Forward momentum <laughs> is what it's all about. That's what uh, getting over being afraid to hope is. Harvard Business Review uh, did, did, did a very interesting study where they asked employees, what is it that generates the greatest employee satisfaction? Uh, Camille, it wasn't money. It wasn't benefits. It wasn't attaboys. It wasn't attention. It wasn't recognition. It was when the employees sensed that forward momentum was taking place. Mm-hmm. Well, that's the way that we're created. Yeah. Um, when, when I discovered this, being afraid to hope meant I didn't have to move forward. I could pacify myself. The problem with that is mm-hmm. I remain passive. Whenever you remain passive, it's easy to carry a tag of victim. And you can stay. You, you stay. You can just stay You're there neutral. and yeah. make excuses. You ever listen to why people don't do something? And it's all rooted in fear. And so hmm. I started asking myself, were my parents afraid? No. No. Was my wife who was dying afraid? No. no. And so I started asking, then what are the enemies that are causing me to not want to hope? And it w- they were all rooted in Rick Rigsby. Mm-hmm. Comfort, convenience, pain-free, not wanting to engage, not wanting to live, all rooted based on my perception. Now listen to me very carefully. Perception is how you see something. And so all of a sudden my life has been jarred and all I see is what I've lost. What you've lost, yes. I haven't seen what I've gained. Mm-hmm. If all mm. if all you see is what you see, then you don't see all there is that needs to be seen. Mm-hmm. Can I say that again? Absolutely, you can. If, if all, all you, you see, see is what you see, mm-hmm. then you don't see all there is that needs to be seen. And so what what can I do to change what I see? Because all I see is loss, a casket, and damaged kids. I had to start changing my thinking. You know, Frank Outlaw was the originator of this thought. He said, be careful, watch how you think, mm-hmm. because it determines your words. Watch your it words. Yeah. It, it shapes your actions. Watch your mm-hmm. actions. They shape your habits. Watch your habits. They form your character. Watch your character. It determines your destiny. It all begins with how you think. Mm-hmm. So I literally, Camille, had to move from being afraid to live, being afraid to feel, being afraid to hope, to I wonder what would happen if. I wonder what happened And if. so mm-hmm. I started taking baby steps to conquer my fear. Baby steps like, I'm going to have one thought of gratitude today. I'm going to think one thought of hopefulness today. In other words, I'm going to start changing my expectations and seeing what happens. Mm -hmm. Some days it worked, some days it didn't, but I just kept going. I just kept going. Mm -hmm. And, And what I've discovered is this. Most people are afraid to take those baby steps. Absolutely, and I'm, I'm glad. Be, because they've been hurt. And there and it may, is. May I just say uh-huh. this? Yep. this? This is really, really important what I want to say right now. Yes. Uh, I, I, I think that, that it, it really boils down to this. Those enemies of hope, disappointments, despair, uh, doubt, even depression. Listen, listen to this. I wrote this down so mm-hmm. that I wouldn't forget it. Okay. Those enemies are rooted in our past. Yep. We all have a past. We all have one. We're probably not, I'm not proud of mine, right? Problems. And those, that past and those problems, they affect our perspective. And 
our perspective can justify us medicating our pain. Mm -hmm. Can I say that one more time? Yes. We all have a past. This, yeah, this is why we're afraid to mm -hmm. hope. Mm -hmm. We all have a past. That's now, I'm not it. a psychologist, but it. I'm living it. <laughs> we all have a past. Yes. We all have problems. They affect how we see things. They affect our perspective. And for me, it justified me medicating my pain. In other words, it was a lot easier to be afraid to hope than to take baby steps to move forward. Mm -hmm. Once I could no longer tolerate my pain, I started dreaming again and moving forward. Mm. That'll set you free right there. Mm. Um, what what I want to ask you? Yeah, well, I, I just get excited. All, yeah, because because really you're you're giving people tools. Yeah. I mean, you've always been a giver, whether you yeah. acknowledge it or not, yeah. and motivating, encouraging. You're now coaching people, and you know we'll we'll share with the audience how they can find out more information about that. Uh, but you're really talking about how people can live beyond yes. their fear, live That's beyond right. whatever's been holding them back, right. and it not just be words. Sometimes right. in ministry, sometimes yeah. uh, people get to a space where it's just words and right. it doesn't they don't see how they can execute it and That's live right. it and walk it out. That's right. So you're talking about how they can actually walk it out. Yeah. I have to say this, I'd be remiss if I didn't. You talk a lot about how your wife encouraged you, but yeah. you found love again. Thank you. So my my buddies of forty some years can't can't believe I fell in love with Trina. And I still have those same buddies. We yeah. just had a reunion at Chico State a few years a few months ago. They can't believe what happened Again, a few years later, I fall in love and get married to the most beautiful woman I've ever met in my life. It happened to me twice. That's see, that's what I, that's what I wanted to get to. A brick house, my soulmate. Yes, again. I even think that I don't. If if this doesn't sound theologically <laughs> right to you, I could care less. But I I think that Trina handpicked Janet. Yeah, yeah. First thing Janet does after we get married is adopt my children. Wow. Fulfilling Trina's Powerful. last wish that her babies not go through life without a mommy. Mm. Then Janet takes pictures of Trina out and puts them on the wall so that her children can grieve and her husband can grieve in a safe environment. Then calls Trina's family and says, we will forever be close. We're as close to Trina's family now as we've ever been. And then we decided to do something that at the time, a few years nice. ago, we thought was a great idea. We decided to have more kids. <laughs> you have more oh, children. Lord have mercy. <laughs> no, it, it's, it's, it's worked out good. Oh, that's but, So now my kids go from 30, four boys, yeah, yeah. Oh, 35 boys. to 17. 35, wow. wow. But I have that story. I know all about that. <laughs> Janet has been... That's, that's a blessing. On, it, it, you know, there is a special place in heaven for people who marry widows and widowers, because mm -hmm. you have to have a special grace. You do. Mm -hmm. And Jan Janet has heard this story for years all over the world and sits with grace. Not jealousy, but with grace. She realizes that my purpose is to help people. Is to help people. And that she has come alongside, but she, she, she is the love of my life. Mm -hmm. She is my soulmate. I, I want to encourage people, Camille. Yep. Because you may have lost your soulmate. Yes. Yes. That doesn't mean that your soul has died, and that it is possible to find a soulmate again. It is. You're you're listening and seeing a man that thought it was all over, but it's not over until God says it's over. It's just not over. And and many of you, regardless of where you're walking in your faith, I want you to hear this. I hear every day people say I'm hopeless. May I tell you something, friend? 
There is no such thing as hopelessness until, let, let me say it a different way. As long as you're living, there is hope. There is hope. That's the way I want to say it. As long as you're as living. As long as you're living, there is there's hope. hope. Yeah. My last question, yeah, and please. we're out of time, but certainly not out of message. You're kidding. And I know. We it, can't go another hour? It goes so fast. I wish we could, uh, but we can maybe another time. What's the lesson that took you the longest to learn? Oh, my gosh. What a great question. Getting over myself mm -hmm. and my best friends, uh, me, myself, and I, or my best friends, getting over <laughs> That's me. That's good. <laughs> Get, getting over me. The focus being on me paralyzed me for 40 years and almost resulted in me not reaching my destiny and not functioning on my frequency. Mm, that's good. Thank you so much for being with us today. And thank you, listeners, for joining us. Be sure to go to rickrigsby.com for more information on his new book release, Afraid to Hope. And as always, it's been a privilege and a pleasure to serve you as your special guest host. I'm Camille Nash. We'll see you next time on Finding Your Frequency.